Dallas Theological Seminary sits about one mile from the heart of downtown Dallas. So for the past four years, I was right down there, uh, right in the middle of, of that city. And then once Laura and I were married, I lived on the other side of town, and I would drive through downtown Dallas every day on my way to and from the seminary, whether for work or for classes. And so as the events unfolded, and I was glued to uh, the news coverage of what was happening in Dallas, Texas this week, um, the sights were familiar, um, incredibly familiar. They were shocking. They were disheartening. Um, as we saw in news conferences, the, one of the men standing with them was a, an official, a Dallas County judge who was a volunteer in my Sunday school class. Um, the familiarity of the situation was, was overwhelming. Baylor Medical Center, where the news stations were posted showing police going in to see the wounded or the families of the deceased, was a block from the seminary. It's very real and the sermon is not about Dallas, Texas, but it is about what happened in Dallas. It's about what has happened in Louisiana, what has happened in Baltimore, what's happening in York, Pennsylvania. We see all these things happening and we wonder, what is my role? What is your role in a solution? The, the pundits and, and politicians are asking, what needs to change? We need to find a way to change. And they're wondering what the answer is. And here we gather knowing the answer. Uh, and in trying to discern what was best to say this morning, um, I looked at many of the blogs that were already out there, what many pastors had already said. And there are so many good things that have been said. And we need to to read them and, and take them to heart, but I don't want to just repeat what somebody else has said. And so I want to remind us this morning that, that we are made in the image of God. We, as the people here, and the people in Dallas and in Louisiana and in downtown York, and people everywhere are made in the image of God. And so we're going to go to a very basic text, something that will remind you of your days in children's Sunday school. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. And every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. 
This morning we're going to consider what this passage says in a very simple format. Then, always, and now. It's not a complicated sermon. Don't read into it too much. But listen carefully to what is said. Then, God created the world and placed man in the garden to bear his image. As we read the creation account, we see that God made man last. He saved the best for last, and we'll see that as we go through. But that's important. It wasn't an afterthought. It was God creating everything that man would need before he created man. He made the earth ready for man. In chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That's a deeply intimate portrait of what God was doing in the creation story. Nowhere else does it say that he breathed into the nostrils. It, It pictures a closeness. The fact that our life comes from the very breath of God in this imagery we start to see the importance of us being made in God's image. And we must understand that Genesis was written to a society that had rulers who would place images of themselves around town. They put little idols, little images to to remind people who was in charge. And so we see God forming this temple, this, this world, and he's placing man in his image to be his image bearer, to remind people who is in charge. And it was always the last thing that went into a temple as well. After everything else was in, he would put the image inside. So he saved the best for last. He made God in his image. But then what does his image mean? It means we have dominion. God gave dominion to man. He said, over, over every creature, you have control. You know, when I, when I was younger, I would think of this and, you know, Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden. What, you know, it's a perfect world, you know, no pain, no fear. And I would think, you know, Adam and Eve are just sitting there kicking back, eating figs, maybe petting some giraffes and deer and, and just this perfect picture. But that's not quite right. See, as his image bearer, man has to do what God has done. And and God is a creator. God creates. And so man creates as well. And and so man ruled and he worked the earth. He was given the direction to subdue it. To be a steward of the ground. To work it. Now we know that it got difficult when sin entered. But working is a part of who man is. What you do with your life is you honoring your God image being. That's why it becomes so wonderful when you've found God's calling on your life and you're doing a job that you're made to do. Because you're doing what God created you to do and and suddenly the work seems easier. So as God's image bearer, man ruled and man worked... And only with sin did that become difficult. But man has always worked. But then as his image bearer, man rested. We work and we rest. Because God rested to take delight in all that he had accomplished. The Sabbath day was to take delight in all that had been done the previous six days. We're told to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. 
Exodus, when they were in the wilderness, God would provide manna. And he said, but on the sixth day, collect enough also for the seventh day. That you're not going to be working on that day. You're going to be taking pleasure in what you have done the previous six days. See, we, we work and we rest. Just like God. Something so common to us. We work and we rest. And God worked and he rested and we realize that the Sabbath is made for people keep, keeping. The Sabbath is, people are not made for Sabbath keeping. The Sabbath is made for people keeping. It's a way to rejuvenate, to, to re-enliven ourselves, to rest. The Sabbath is made for people keeping because God knows what it's like to create, to work. And so our image bearing we see is more than a look. It's not about our, our face and, and, and our arms and our legs and our bodies. It's, it's more than a look. It's a way of living, a way of seeing ourselves as something God intended for his people, as being the best that he created. It was very good. And so if people are created in his image and placed man in the garden then, then always... God is praised when man fulfills his God-given purpose. God is praised when man fulfills his God-given purpose. When I, when I work, God is praised. When I honor him, God is praised. The stars, they honor God by being stars. The mountains honor God by being mountains. I love to be away in the mountains at night in a clear night looking up at the stars and thinking how incredible it is. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And God is praised when the mountains are mountains and the stars are stars because they're doing what they were created to do. And yet that doesn't compare to the person sitting beside you. The person sitting beside you being a person is more honoring to God than any of that. The person on the street corner begging for money is more honoring for God by being a person, more honoring to God by being a person. Humans worship by being human, fulfilling our purpose, ruling and reigning, being God's image bearer, associating with other image bearers in the right way. But when that purpose is not fulfilled, bad things happen. It's when that purpose is not fulfilled that bad things happen. Because when humans don't honor other humans... We are not fulfilling God's purpose as humans. And bad things happen. We've seen this in the Bible before. Jeremiah 29, 11 is plastered over so many mugs and t-shirts and, and Bible covers. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a hope and a future, to prosper you, not to harm you. But it came at a time when God's people weren't being who, were, who they were supposed to be. He was saying, I know my plans. It's going to be okay. But first you're going to go through some suffering. First, you're going to be overtaken. The temple is going to be destroyed. You're going to be exiled because they weren't being who God wanted them to be. They were not fulfilling their God-given purpose. And then Christ was crucified. Christ came and was crucified. We get so worked up about innocent lives being taken, and we need to be concerned about that. 
But we can't forget Christ because as Christians, our, our primary concern is not what's happening in the news. It's what God has called us to first and foremost. And, and Christ was crucified perfectly innocent, more innocent than any other. And yet he gave us that prime example of what it says in John 15, 13, that greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So Christ, who was perfect, came to be an image bearer just like you and me. And he bared it perfectly so that when he was crucified, he could reestablish the image. When Christ was crucified and rose again, he reestablished the image. And now you and I live with a reestablished image if we are in Christ. And if we have this reestablished image, we should be an accurate portrayal of who God is. We should be an accurate portrayal of who God is because the image of God always honors another image bearer. An image of God always honors another image bearer. A human always honors another human because he's an image bearer of God. It could be honoring a spouse, a best friend, that beggar on the side of the road that I talked about. It could be that person you avoid at work or in church. And so always, God is praised when man fulfills his God-given purpose of being an image bearer. And so now, what does that mean? Like I said, this is nothing new. We know that we are made in God's image. And that's such an important part of who we are. But now, we must take our responsibility as image bearers seriously. We must take our responsibility as image bearers seriously. We start with ourselves. I start with me, you start with you. Just think, what areas of your life don't represent God the way he should be represented? Because that's where your image is damaged. What areas of your life don't represent God the way he should be represented? Maybe it's your thoughts that you don't even share with anybody else about people. Maybe it's some of the ways you get involved politically. Maybe it's those things you share on Facebook because you think it's worthwhile, but if you really think about it, it doesn't honor God. Maybe it's unwholesome relationships. Maybe it's prejudices and intolerance. see, if we're going to take our responsibility as image bearers seriously, we need to reach out to all lives that don't have Christ, to all lives whose image has not been reestablished in Christ. We need to help reestablish the image of God in those who are still broken and those who are still hurting and those who cannot adequately reflect God's image. And that is with all lives. You see, we live in a world where we decide who matters. We decide what lives matter. But that's never been an issue for God. Because every life is an image bearer of God. And so as we reach out to, to all lives, we need to stop being comfortable with where we are. 
it's so easy to think that it's happening somewhere else. To, happen, to think that someone somewhere else needs to change in order to make the world better. But we need to stop being comfortable with where we are. Stop being okay with the fact that there are people you know that don't know Jesus. Stop being okay with the fact that people you know don't know Jesus. And there are ways we can do that. We can offer evangelism classes, and that's one thing I'm excited to look at going into our fall programming. Uh, through Sunday school classes, through mission outreaches, the youth this week, interacting with people. But you don't have to go somewhere special. We can all think of people who need Christ. Invite them to coffee and just start a conversation. It might not happen right away. Maybe it will. That would be great. But plant the seeds. You know, of... Of all the different things I've heard in recent events, one of the best quotes I've heard was, we are called to weep with those who weep, not to judge them for why they are weeping. We are called to weep with those who weep, not to judge them for why they are weeping. And so if we think about this, if we think God created the world and placed man in the garden to bear his image, that's what happened then. And that always God is praised when man fulfills his God-given purpose. That now we must take our responsibility as image bearers seriously. There are connections that start to form between the simple statement that we are to be God's image bearers and everything that's going on around us. All the sorrow that we see, all the strife, all the hatred... And we start to think about what we can do differently. This is an uncomfortable thing to talk about because I usually like to have fun. Last Sunday I loved preaching. This Sunday I had a sermon ready that I was excited about preaching. But there are times where we need to just remember the facts. Remember what God has done for us, what he has called us to do. And then just do it. Because there's great pain in our nation. So many look to politics and social media and, and other outlets for a solution. But the solution's been with us all along. Know that you have been equipped to live out that solution. God equipped you to live out that solution. When you start living a life that bears God's image, others will see that solution too. I'm going to close this portion in prayer, and then we'll move into a time of corporate prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it's a simple yet so complex message. To be made in your, your image is a simple statement, but it is such a, a loaded statement that we need to unpack and realize that you care for us greater than any other thing. but you care for us all equally. And that it's not us saying that, that one race is superior to another or that, that one profession needs to change more than another because it's all about people realizing that they are your image bearers. May we realize that. No matter the color of our skin, no matter our occupation, help us to change where we are. Help us to reflect you accurately 
Help us to live and, and honor other bearers, other image bearers accurately as well. Father, we love you. And we thank you for all that you have done and for the comfort you bring to those who mourn. In Jesus' name, amen. We join.